0: Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. Uh, my name is Edmund. Before we begin, let's start with a little. Ouch! That's a sugar-free Red Bull. I'm opening this fine morning a sugar-free Red Bull. In this episode, I will be talking about a uh, the Netflix series Junji Ito Maniac. Uh, What's the full title? Junji Ito Maniac. Japanese Tales of the Macabre. I don't believe you pronounced the R-E. Macabre. Macabre. Weird word. Weird word. I'll get to that at the end of the episode. I wonder if this is the episode I should try to be more energetic instead of sounding monotone, bored, uh, suicidal. You know, let... Should I try it this time? I'm exhausted after that phrase. I don't think I'm going to try it this time. I am recording this on January 27th, 2023. um, A Friday morning. You know, I've been busy, hard at work at Amazon. It's exhausting. I changed my schedule a little bit. A huge mistake. It's like that line from Arrested Development. I think I've just, I think I've made a huge mistake. Um, I used to work three a.m. to seven a.m. and and then eight thirty to one, eight thirty to twelve thirty p.m. A large chunk of the morning. And you might be thinking, that's that sounds exhausting. Three a.m. What time do you wake up? Blah 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 blah. Yes, but. The biggest pro is that you're done by 1 o'clock p.m. Your day is done. That's the hugest pro, and I understood that. But due to circumstances, I decided, you know, I'm going to change my schedule up, and I decided to take off the morning shift, work 8.30 to 12.30, and then 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., and it's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever had in my life um, that's hyperbole for sure, but I hate this schedule, I fucking hate this schedule, um, I'm no longer done by 1 p.m., lately I've been done by 7 p.m., it's the whole day, and it's exhausting as fuck, um, and not only that, when I work mornings and day, no traffic at 2.30 a.m., and no traffic at 1 p.m. Now, I am hitting the rush hour traffic at 7.30 a.m., and I am hitting the rush hour traffic at 6.30, 7 p.m., whatever it is. Although, if I get off at 7 p.m., there is no traffic because everyone is fucking home by then. Anyway, there's this thing called shift choice at Amazon, and i tried to do it and it says what are your preferences what new shifts would you like i'm like i and you choose it i want to go back to mornings um i was anticipating going back to my schedule my more and then i got the message your request has been rejected <sighs> um also I, I no one cares about this and I, I don't know how much time i want to spend on it but We get these shirts while working whilst working at Amazon and you know, in I I worked there in 2019, I have two shirts from then, like Peak 2019 and Sorting Saturday 2019. And look, like I think everyone likes free shit. And I think Filipinos in particular love free shit. Um I can't really explain it, but it's just an observation that I've had. Um, Filipinos love free shit, but most people do. Everyone does. And it, it's almost like a badge of honor. Like, you know, so a lot of people aren't in love with this job. They do it out of necessity. Like, well, I need money. I need to live. I need to work. I need to survive. I need to eat. So I'm here working. But these shirts you look forward to it because there's so little to look forward to while working at this job. And so I've collected a bunch over the years, like 2019 that there's prime shirts. There's peak shirts. Peak is the Christmas holiday season. And I missed it for peak 2022. I wasn't, I wasn't there that day and they're just gone. I didn't get one. And who cares in the big, in the big scheme of things, who cares, but I, I'm bummed out about it, um, I emailed them, I emailed our HR department, I said, hi, I basically said, sorry to bother, but do you have, do you have any shirts left, I didn't get mine, and they were like, we don't have any shirts, we handed them all out, there's no more left, and my instant reaction was like, that's a fucking lie, um, I, don't, I have no idea. Maybe it is true. But I just have a feeling that's a lie. <laughs> I want my shirt. <laughs> Can I have the shirt, please? And the shirts... I don't even like wearing the shirts. Particularly because they I get hot easily. Because I'm a fat-ass bitch. And they're like made out of that hot cotton. Hotten. And... I don't really like wearing them, although I might wear them more in the future because I realize that my nips show hardcore. Because I I bought these shirts that are essentially for sleeping, or I like to wear the the gym shy the gym type uh, dry fit you know Nike shirts because I get hot at work because you know it's physical manual labor, and my nips show hardcore. So I might, I mean, maybe the that's the benefit of the hot cotton is that your nips don't show as prominently. Anyway, I, I should probably stop talking about my nips. Let me look at my podcast notes file on my phone. This should be interesting. Amazon COVID. So I got COVID right, right, right at the tail end of last year. And it was like December 23rd I tested positive for COVID. Um, I submitted it to Amazon and I got paid for it. I got paid for all the days I missed. Even if I wasn't scheduled, I got paid, which is cool. And I I mean, I think it's the right thing to do because if you're going to force me from work, I should get paid if you're not going to allow me to work. And I shouldn't go to work because I'm positive. So it's like good all around, right? I saw a sign recently, as of 2023, that COVID leave pay is no longer paid. So I asked HR briefly about it, and they're like, Yeah, if you test positive, you still get the leave. You're still excused for 10 days or whatever, but you're not going to get paid. And I don't I don't know what that's about, but it sounds illegal. Like I just said two seconds ago, you're going to force me like I'm not allowed to go to work because I tested positive and we are mandating testing and reporting our testing every week, twice a week. And if I test positive, I am not allowed to go to work. You won't allow me to go into work, but you won't pay me. Like I'm going to expire with 10 days without pay. Like I have 89 cents in my savings. I'm not I'm not joking or exaggerating. I have (laughs) 89 cents. So if I test positive, I can't go to work, but I won't get paid. Sounds like bullshit to me. sounds illegal, quite frankly. Next on my notes list, I wrote down Ratatouille Emil, Emil Linguini. I believe in a previous episode I talked about Ratatouille. And I believe I talked about the human and I referred to him as Emil. And without doing any sort of research, I, I thought Emil isn't the guy. I believe Emil is Remy's brother's name and the name of the guy is Linguini. Um, I apologize for my s- mistake. I apologize. Next on my list, um, Black Panther. I-, I wanted to make this joke during my Black Panther episode, but I didn't. So there's that sequence. There's that awkward kind of exchange between um, the Hobbit, Martin Freeman and Elaine. And you know, it's that it's that moment where Elaine finds out that basically uh, Martin Freeman has been leaking information to wakanda and then she takes out a pair of handcuffs and she says or he goes val 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 no val and then elaine goes i'm messing up the joke um i'm just gonna call her chief so uh, martin freeman goes val 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 and then the chief goes it's not Val. That's Director Lef- De La Fontaine to you. And then in my head, I was like, No, bitch. You're Elaine. Uh, I fucked up the delivery of that whole sequence. But let's move on. <laughs> Last on my notes list, um, I saw someone post online. There, There's a post that I've seen a few times, well, two times, where a guy says... When you stack the plates all together and then he goes, am I better than everyone? And it's supposed to be funny, right? And it's kind of funny, like nothing against him. But I saw a post in response to that that said no. And then there was this whole follow-up paragraph that goes, um, a dinner time, ed- a food etiquette person expert said that stacking plates indicates to other it's bad etiquette And it indicates to other dinner goers that the staff is not doing an adequate job. So what you should do is just relax and not stack the plates. And I think it was serious. I really think it's serious. So so at this point online and social media, we are now dictating, you know, if you stack the plates, you're trying to be nice to the staff. And now the people are saying, no, don't do that. Why why do people insist on trying to dictate other people's behaviors? I don't understand this. You know, like Pat Walsh says, "Mow your own mow mow your own lawn." Everyone mow your own lawn. You know what I mean? Like, why doesn't like jo, like Joe Dorosa says, "Why doesn't everyone just shut the fuck up?" Why don't they just do right by them and leave everyone else alone? I don't understand it. Um. Stacking plates is bad? Uh, I saw a a thread online about how one person liked to return the carts in the right designated area. And someone's going to be like, no. By doing that, you're showing that the employees are not doing an adequate job. So leave it. Leave them alone. Leave them where one wheel is in the planter and one is off-road. Leave it so it's a hazard across kids and adults alike and elders. Leave your baby in the cart and push it into the designated cart area. I don't know. People drive me nuts. Um. Speaking of social media, I... I try my... That's not true. I'm on it all the time because I'm a dumbass fucking bitch. But... For the most part, I'm not on Twitter because I think Twitter is the worst social media out of them all. It's like in, uh, Instagram, I, I kind of like. You know, at least there's a photo element, at least there's a video element. Twitter, th- there's not necessarily any sort of media element. So I'm just supposed to hear your raw thoughts on anything. And lately, I've been on there because. You know, people, unfortunately, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of people on it. People post job opportunities. People post news. And unfortunately, it is a widely used social media platform. But it is terrible for your mental health, terrible for my mental health. My favorite tweet that I've seen in recent times was, Twitter is like therapy, but no one heals um very insightful what's also interesting to me is that everyone seems to acknowledge that they hate twitter and they hate social media myself included but they're all on it myself included like they all acknowledge like oh i hate it it's terrible but they're all on it um i saw a recent thread where they're like it was a long thread And they're like, it's basically like five paragraphs of discouraging you. And then at the end, they go, I am not saying this to discourage any of you. It's like, really? It's like that thing when someone says not to be rude. And then they say something extremely rude afterwards. I don't know. And I get it. Free speech. Free speech. I get it. But. What ends up happening is you have the blind leading the blind. You have people who don't know anything about anything who manage to gain a bunch of followers mainly because they, you know, they they engage a lot. It doesn't mean they're an expert in anything. There are strategies for losers to gain followings. Like if you do this, this, and this, you're going to gain a following. But that doesn't mean your content is good. It doesn't mean you're an expert in your field. It just means you followed this certain strategy to... But people are like, well, he has 10,000 followers, so I, he he must be right. They must be right. She must be right. No. You have 10,000 followers because, for whatever reason. It doesn't mean anything, but... Society dictates that they know something. Oh, they must know something. They have 10,000. This video got 20 million views. Oh, it must be good. You watch it and it's shit. I should probably get to the movies. We're at the 16-minute mark. Um, I watched Airplane. Um, airplane, alternatively titled Flying High is a 1980 American parody film written and directed by the brothers David and Jerry Zucker and Jim Abrams in their directorial debuts. The Butts. Um, I really liked Airplane. Um, I was laughing throughout. And I'm a pretty hard laugh these days. I don't... Especially stand-ups. It's like, this is rough. So I really liked Airplane. If you haven't seen it I highly recommend you check it out. Airpl- uh, it's a parody movie. I guess that's the best way to describe it and if you haven't seen it it's from 1980. It's similar to Naked Gun, Hot Shots, the scary movies like it's it's hard to describe the humor in words. You just kind of have to see it. Um but here's a sentence in the Wikipedia. It is known for its use of surreal humor and fast-paced slapstick comedy, including visual and verbal puns, gags, running jokes, and obscure humor. My, f- my favorite joke is when Robert... Well, let me tell you a very brief gist, basically. Um, it takes place on an airplane. Robert Hayes plays this dude and julie haggerty plays a flight attendant and the uh, <laughs> i guess people who, everyone who ate the fish gets sick including the pilots and robert hayes has a history like he he's flown before but not a plane like a, he fought he flew in the war so it's up to him to like land the plane and save the day that's the gist of it my my favorite bit <laughs> Was when Robert Hayes starts talking about his past, and there's this old na- lady next to him, and he she like ro- kind of rolls her eyes, like I don't want to be listening to this asshole talk about his past. And then it it flashes back to uh, Robert Hayes' past, and then when they come back to the present, <laughs> the old lady has hung herself, <laughs> and um Robert Hayes is oblivious to it and that that bit keeps going it's a recurring bit so later on the i believe the the old chinese man from everywhere everywhere everyone everywhere all at once or whatever who's been in a million things and i should know his name and i don't um i should because there's not enough um asian actors out there everywhere Everyone all at that's not even the title at all everything everywhere all at once um James Hong there should be like a documentary about him like wh- how he he's been in everything <coughs> I believe he was in Seinfeld is unless <laughs> unless I'm mistaking him because oh y'all look alike to quote rush hour that was a joke. Um, I think he was a Chinese restaurant guy, wasn't he? Uh, I hope, I really hope he is. (laughs) I'm going to be mad at myself if it wasn't him. I'll just control F this bitch. Um, yes, 1991, the Chinese restaurant Bruce. (laughs) His Wikipedia is huge from 1955 1954 he should he should definitely have a um a documentary about him because like i said there's not enough um asian amer asian actors out there and he's had a flourishing career and i couldn't even know i didn't even know his name although i was going to make a joke about hong but i'm not going to Um, he's in, um, he's in, (laughs) he's in airplane. Um, I believe he commits seppuku. (laughs) Uh, My point is check out, I think I like airplane better than any of the naked gun movies. I know that's, that's, it's a hard thing to say. I'd have to watch them back to back. Although I kind of did because I recently watched the Naked Gun trilogy. But Airplane I really liked. Check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I wonder if it's the best out of those classic parody movies. And it, it makes me kind of want to rewatch the scary movie movies. Because I watched Airplane, I watched the Kentucky Fried movie. Um directed by Landis and it was written by David Zucker, James Abrams and Jerry Zucker. Um I didn't really like this movie. Um I I feel like maybe it's dated. It's 1977. It's an American independent sketch comedy film and Robert K Weiss I I think I've seen him hold on. His name looked familiar, I don't know. But Kentucky Fried Movie, nineteen seventy seven, it felt dated and the the jokes weren't just weren't really landing for me. Um it opens with a couple of gross out gags, which like they're talking about Um, alternatives to oil and they're squeezing oil out of teenagers faces and getting oil from used combs I'm like this isn't really funny it's just kind of gross and I didn't like it I didn't respect it I didn't admire it but I can acknowledge that you know John Landis Because of this movie, people like John Landis, Zucker Abrams, Zucker went on to do bigger and better things. But Kentucky Fried Movie is basically a bunch of independent sketches, not related to each other. There was one segment that I thought was funny, which is the news segment, where this lady goes, "Um, If you're a Pisces, you can ex, if you're a Pisces, like yours truly. You can expect the unexpected this month. And she gets hit by an arrow. And then it cuts to the another newscaster. And he goes, thank you, Sharon. And that made me laugh. And then, you know, this, this lady brings out like a hamster. And then she throws it behind her. That kind of made me laugh. And then there's a gorilla suit guy. That section kind of made me laugh. But that's about it. There's a very lengthy se- um, Enter the Dragon parody which felt very long drawn out. I, I don't believe I laughed once. It felt—it just felt really boring to me. Um, so I can acknowledge that this film led to man- many better things but The movie itself, I did not enjoy. Um, I remember Rebecca Lieb from Ghost Town podcast. She said this movie was very misogynistic. And I didn't really think so. Um, Maybe it's that segment where there's a bunch of nude women. But I I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. I watched The Great Texas Dynamite Chase, and the reason I watched that is because the last segment of the Kentucky Fried movie, there's a girl, there's a segment where this guy and girl are, like, getting ready to do the deed on a couch, and they turn on the TV... And the people in the TV there—it's like a news program—but they can see what's hap- They can see the guy and girl like getting it on, and they're going like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah!" And um, kind of funny, but you know. Anyway, Tara Stralmyer was that lady, and she's hot. So I looked up her other roles, and she's in a movie called *The Great Dynamite*, *Texas Dynamite Chase*. It's a 1976 crime comedy directed by Michael Pressman in his directorial debut. Basically, the gist of this movie is two girls go around using dynamite to rob banks. I can't really say I enjoyed this movie. It just kind of felt like 70s trash. Um... It's an exploitation film, and I don't, I guess I don't really know what that means. Um, but, you know, it's, there's some scenes that are essentially softcore porn, which is fine, but it wasn't really good softcore porn. Like, most of the sexploitation scenes are a guy and a girl m- making out naked. You know, it's there's not even a, an illusion of a thrust. There's no thrusting at all. They're just making out naked, which is a little weird. Um, Claudia Jennings is in this movie as well. She was in Gator Bait, which I also saw. She unfortunately died at the age of 29 in a um, car crash. Which really sucks, and she, um, I thought she was actually pretty good in this movie. I kind of understood. I I bought her in her role, and um, Jocelyn Jones is the other lead in this movie, and she has an an acting school, I believe, nowadays. Um. Sometimes I think like, maybe back then it didn't take a lot to to make movies. That's how it feels like. Now it feels like you have to be talented. You have to know the right people. You have to have a budget. You have to convince the executives, here's my pitch, here's the good idea. And then after all that, they might make your movie. And the movie might suck. 1976, this movie is not good. The idea is not good. The acting is not particularly good. Um, It just feels like they made whatever. Maybe it was the wild, wild west of movie making. I don't know. It wasn't particularly good movie. I gotta say. I watched the pilot of The Last of Us. And I liked it. I liked it fine. You know, I played the game up to a certain point. I don't do well with horror video games. Maybe I'll go back and try it. But people chasing me, I, I can't deal with it. I get anxiety. And so I remember the last time I played, because I've tried to play the game a few times. And the last time I tried to play it, I got to the parking lot structure where the zombies or whatever are chasing you. And I freaked out and I stopped. So I watched this this with my wife. We liked it fine. And I'm going to pull a Joe DeRosa here. But something that... So at this point, two episodes have aired. But I, I saw this even after the first episode aired. After one episode, it says, It received acclaim from critics who praised the performances, writing, production design, and score. Several called it the best live-action adaptation of a video game. It was one episode. And that quote is still up after two episodes. I, I thought it was fine. I, I don't know. I think it's weird. All right. Um... One of the calling it the le- the best live action adaptation of a video game after one episode, after two episodes. I mean, can we can we get through at least four or five episodes before anyone can make that claim? You know, I don't know. I, I told my wife the other day, the other day that episode two is now up. And she's like, can we wait a little bit? Because I guess she wants to binge it. So so as of now, two episodes have gone up and I've only seen the first one. Um, I Maybe I'll do an episode about it. I don't know. I, I liked it fine. I want to reiterate that. It was fine. It's just like the hyperbole is unbelievable. Also, when Pedro Pascal in the pilot episode says, I'm 36, I turned to my wife. I went, 36? This bitch is supposed to be younger than me? Um, He's like in his 40s, I believe. I, I don't know. And I like how they, they didn't even try to make, make him look... Younger, he's 47. I guess he can pull 36. It was fine. I don't know. Um, Next up, I watched a few episodes of a Netflix series called Animal. And what's interesting about this series is that they have celebrities narrate it. Speaking of Pedro Pascal, he narrates an episode called Octopus, which I didn't see, so I can't comment on that. You know, what's also interesting is I I like Pedro Pascal. I liked him in Narcos of the few episodes I saw of Narcos. I liked him in Game of Thrones. I liked him in that movie with Ben Affleck, Triple Frontier, I think. I liked him in Prospect. I didn't like him in the bubble, but I didn't like anyone in the bubble. I couldn't finish the movie. It was terrible. I don't think he should do comedies, which, you know, it might be blasphemous to say to an actor. But I like him in a dramatic role, and I think... I like him in The Mandalorian even though he he did show his face for one episode but I like his voice, I like his portrayal. Um so in this Netflix series Animal I watched Big Cats narrated by Rashida Jones, Dogs narrated by Brian Cranston and Marsupials narrated by Rebel Wilson. Um I don't I don't really need to comment on their narrating prowess but I will because I am a man and I am human. Rebel Wilson was not great. I think she was trying to inflect comedy into some of the lines and it was just kind of whatever. Brian Cranston's always great and surprisingly Rashida Jones was pretty great. I keep thinking of that exchange between Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa where Pat Walsh goes, Rashida Jones, I'm sorry. She's just, to me, the most average actress. I don't know why she has this kind of stranglehold on the industry. And then Joe goes, well, it doesn't hurt when your dad is uh, Quincy Jones, which makes sense. I mean, there's that's the truth is truth and you can't I can't really argue that but to be honest she did a pretty good job narrating so I I wonder if she has done other narrating jobs and she maybe she would get offended by this but I feel like maybe she should do more um narrating jobs because I thought she was pretty good at it Uh, maybe that's her niche I don't know uh and i didn't see season 2 but for your information apes is narrated by andy circus birds of prey is narrated by anthony mackey um i wonder if that's a throwback to him playing falcon bears um is narrated by david harbor maybe that's a throwback to him being a bear in a past life and dolphins is um, narrated by Uzo Uzo Aduba, who I believe is from Orange Is the New Black. Dolphins, I would be most interested in dolphins. I might check that out. Um, for no reason at all, I'm going to talk about uh, skunks right now. <sighs> What the fuck am I doing? Why am I going to talk about skunks? I did a project recently where I researched skunks. And you know, the biggest thing everyone knows that they stink when they feel threatened. They they can s- squeeze out a liquid from like these little nipples that come out of their anus. Um or the anal glands or whatever but apparently they're good for the environment because they they help control like rodent populations and insect populations the saddest thing that i read that almost made me cry is that they have a lifespan in the wild of like 2 to 4 years and i just i can't get over that and I'm like, why do they have a two to four year lifespan? And it's significantly longer in captivity, which is it's all is also sad. But, you know, I, I don't have the details why their lifespan is so short, but I believe it's because of, you know, sickness, disease and human intervention getting run over by cars, perhaps they don't have a lot of. Natural predators because at least with the striped skunk that big old stripe is big like people know about that stink so when they see that stripe they're like they turn the other way they're like okay let's not let's leave the skunk alone and one of the most common predators is I forget the name but it's an owl because Great Horned Owl or something. Because they have terrible smell. They don't have a good sense of smell. So they are one of the more common predators of this skunk. Why am I talking about skunks on the Odd Drummer Gaming Podcast? Mostly about movies. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I watched the first episode of... Guillermo del Toro's Guillermo Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities the first episode I watched this because I I was looking for more anthology horror after watching Junji Ito Maniac Japanese Tales of the Macabre so I watched the first episode It's, it's called Lot 36 directed by Guillermo Navarro and it is about an asshole name, or played by Tim Blake Nelson, who I can't tell if that was good casting or not, because whenever I saw him, I just kept picturing him as the singing cowboy in Buster Scruggs, and I don't know enough about him to 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 say if he's a good actor or not. He was fine in this role, but I just kept... I couldn't help but picture him in that singing cowboy role. Um. And basically, he's an asshole. And he has kind of this scheme... Scam going on with this owner-slash-manager of a, like, a storage unit. And... He's like... He's stingy, he's greedy, and he's mean, and he's an asshole. And towards the end, a monster shows up. And I liked it. I liked the episode. I liked the vibe. I will say, after watching, after binging Junji Itomaniac and then watching this, the 43-minute episode did feel quite long. Um, I feel like they could have been a little... Shorter and got to the point a little faster, but I liked it. Finally, at the 41-minute mark, we get to Junji Ito Maniac, Japanese Tales of the Macabre. So this is a Japanese original net animation series produced by Studio Dean and directed by Shinobu Tagashira. It adapts various stories from Junji Ito, including The Hanging balloons, Soichi and Tomi. It was released on Netflix in January 2023. Um, I don't watch a lot of anime. I don't watch a lot of anthology horror or anthology horror anime. I wish I could pull up a some sort of... Um, episode list, but I'll just have to refer to my uh, Excel sheet. So, let's go through this. Let me kind of try to go through episode by episode. There, There's a lot, but they're short, so. The first episode is the strange Zuri siblings. And... Uh, They kind of reminded me of Adam's family, except Adam's family if there were no parents and if all the siblings hated each other. So really, there's no real connection or similarities between the strange Hikizuri siblings and Adam's family, other than they're a family and they're strange. But basically in this story... and. These stories, if you're unfamiliar, um, they're short stories, and they're all different, and they don't contain any sort of thread or um, characters. They don't coincide with any of the episodes, except for one or two, so Ichi. And so some of the episodes are 10 minutes, some of the episodes are 20 minutes, but they're short, and I like that. Strange Hikizuri siblings. Basically they're. They're trying to. I don't know. Conjure the spirits of their p- dead parents. And then one brother kind of. He kind of tricks everyone. Tricks the whole family. Into believing that he is a medium. And. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. Um, I feel like it leaned a little too much into the comedy. And I know lately, like, for example, with Father Stu and um, another example that I can't remember. Father Stew, I liked only the comedy and not the drama. And the Bans- Banshees of Insurance. I love the comedy and I like the drama a little less in this one. I was, I was expecting more horror. So I was a little surprised that this one was so comedic and I was like, Hmm, I hope this doesn't set this, the tone for the rest of the series. Cause I was expecting horror and I want more horror, but I got more horror when I watched the story of the mysterious tunnel. Also I will say if you like or if you need um explanation if you need logic if you need resolution you probably won't like this series or if you keep an open you might have to keep an open mind whilst watching this series the story of the mysterious tunnel you know there's this there's a flashback with a kid with his mom, and the mom walks into this tunnel, and she, like, disappears. And I don't think I, I can go through all of these one by one. That's going to be a lot, but I'm just going to go through these quickly. Story of the Mysterious Tunnel, I liked because of the tone of it. I liked it. It was atmospheric. And again, for all of the ones I like, basically, I liked how economical and short they were. And there's not, they don't spend a lot of time doing exposition. They don't, they can't, they don't, because the episodes are 10 or 20 minutes long. So the stories are fast, and they cut to the chase, and I, I like that about the episodes, and I like that about the series Overall. And the story of the mysterious tunnel. I was one of the ones that I, I liked a lot. I also, I also like the ice cream bus. There's a father with a his son who recently moved into this new town, and there's this ice cream bus where that goes around, and all the kids go into the bus and they go around town and then they come back home and then the dad peeks into the bus when his son goes on it and he sees they're all licking from a pile at the center of the bus and he's like that's strange Um, spoiler alert by the way for this whole series but I recommend you check it out Um, and at the end at the end of the episode The dad comes home and he he sees all all these shoes on the floor and he figures all the kids' friends are over. And then the dad goes into the living room and the kid is licking this pile and all the kids are dead. And he's like, Oh, Christopher turned into yogurt. Oh, he tastes so good. And David turned into vanilla ice cream. Oh, so good. And then... The dad is horrified. And then he goes, don't, you shouldn't be licking that, don't. And he kind of tries to pull his son away and ends up <laughs> decapitating the child. Credits. um, That was a shocker. And I like that one a lot. Um, hanging Balloon. Hanging Balloon was fine. I just there were a couple of moments where I was kind of laughing at the imagery of it. And I don't think that was its intent. Um, Basically these balloons, these giant balloons with everyone's heads are on the individual balloon and they try to come and hang you. They try to come and kill you. They don't explain it. And at one point, this one balloon hangs this guy and his body is flailing in the wind and uh, that image was making me laugh also um so it's it was fine um 4x4 walls i'm assuming that's the the one with soichi and his brother where he he needs to get a um he, they get a carpenter to make his, his room um, soundproof. So he basically makes a room within a room within a room. That was more comedic too. I don't like the character of Soichi. And I don't blame the voice actor. I watched this in Japanese. I don't blame the voice actor. I believe the voice actor is intending for him to be as annoying and creepy and disturbing as possible, but I, I don't like the character of Soichi and he appears in two of these episodes and I, maybe he's a popular character. I, I don't know, but um, it bummed me out that he got two episodes because that that's a clue to me that there's going to be more of him if they make more of this he's a recurring character for uh, some unfortunate reason the sandman's lair i i believe is the one where this guy says i can't sleep because the the guy, the dream me is trying to escape into this dimension he knows that there's a real dimension and he's trying to escape and the way he escapes is he turns my body inside out and he comes into this real life world and then i will end up in the dream it's got kind of interesting things not one of my favorites intruder um i think that was a weird one that i i can barely remember but uh i think it's the one where the the kid it's a group of kids who are like studying into other dimensions and they end up finding other versions of themselves i didn't really care for that one long hair in the attic was kind of a cool one there's this girl and she's going out with a guy and the the guy they have kind of a toxic relationship but they've been together for a long time and he's like, I think you should be with someone more he like breaks up with her. And she's very upset and she's like I don't know, somehow she ends up decapitated and her head strung up by her long hairs in the attic. Um I remember kind of laughing when that head was rolling around. Again, I don't think that was the intended effect. Mold. Um, it's kind of a weird. St- well, they're all kind of weird stories, but a guy. There's like an old teacher who's begging to stay in this guy's house, which he just built, and he's like, "No, I, I don't want you to." And for some reason, this their whole family's weird, and the the house turns up all moldy and gross, creepy, weird, disturbing. Not one of my favorites library vision probably to me is the worst one i just didn't get it it didn't have any effect on me this guy he he has this vast library of books and he's like he gets really upset when one of them is taken from its place and um i don't know i didn't sorry i, I just lost myself in thought for a second um, I didn't. I didn't like that one. Tomb Town was probably my favorite. I watched it once by myself, and then I watched it um, once with my wife. So I watched it twice. I I liked it a lot. Again, it's twenty minutes. I like that it was kind of longer, but still economical and short. Cuts right to the chase, basically. <laughs> This brother and sister are driving into town. They're visiting the sister's friends. Um, They accidentally hit this girl who's walking on the road. They hit her, they bring her in the car, and she dies. She has a swollen face. They get into the town, and they're like, let's just bury her body and leave. They get into the town, and there's these tombstones everywhere. And so what happens, it's a weird phenomenon where wherever someone dies, you can't disturb their body, and then they turn into a tombstone. And that shows that they have a peaceful death and a peaceful afterlife, I guess. And then they meet the sister's friend, and they she reveals that her sister is missing, and it's revealed that the girl that they hit and killed... Um, is the same sister, and it it has kind of a telltale heart theme going on, where like, um, you know, the brother and sister get increasingly nervous, and then finally they decide to leave, and dump the sister's body into the old well. But because they've been traveling with the body, it wasn't able to turn peacefully into a tombstone tombstone so it turned into this kind of warped disturbing looking um monstrosity if you will they dump it down the well and the the guy cuts his hands on the shards of this figure and at the end of the episode, as kind of a fun footnote, the sister and the parents cannot deal with the death of this of their family members, so they <laughs> the three of them take pills and 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 commit suicide inside of their home. That's probably my favorite. I disturbing. Um, slow burn if you can call it that even in a a brisk 20 minutes but I liked it a lot layers of terror I don't even remember what that is Um, layers of terror I I can't remember what it is for the life of me how terrible um layers of terror oh no that was my, that was one of my favorite ones too um ba- basically there there's a a mother and two daughters and the mother dotes on the younger daughter she like loves her and she gives the older one a hard time and she calls the older one ugly like she's a really mean mom and they're in the car and when she calls the older one ugly the older sister's driving she gets upset and gets into an accident and the face of the younger daughter kind of tears off and then they take her to the doctor and they're like it's a weird thing she has no internal organs she's just she's just full of layers And each time she grows a year older, she grows another layer of skin. So this mother is like obsessed with her her daughter's past. And she's like, she can hear her daughter as a two-year-old. So she's like, I'm just going to peel back the layers until you're two years old. So she thinks that she's going to turn into a two-year-old baby. But when she peels back all of the layers she has like the face of a 2-year-old baby but the almost like skeletal remains of a of a skeleton and it's very disturbing very gross and then the mom says i know what i'll do i'll i have the curse too so i'm going to tear my face off until i'm 38 and then give birth to her again but what she does she just reveals her, her the the under muscles of her face that one was a good one. That might have been my second favorite. The thing that drifted ashore um I think that one went over my head. It was just some weird creature on a whale, I don't know. I might have I might watch this whole thing again cuz they're so short. Tommy's photos I recently wa- uh purchased the deluxe edition of Tommy Like it's this thick um, collection of Tomi by um, Junji Ito, and I'm excited to look into it. Tomi's photos is about this girl is taking photos of guys, and and selling it, and this girl Tomi doesn't like it, and she kind of has a weird power over guys, and what she She tells people to kill the girl. That one was a little weird one for me. I might rewatch that. Unendurable Labyrinth. That one's kind of cool. It's these (laughs) three girls that are like... Or two girls that are hiking up a mountain. And they come across like these monks. And... This this other girl, this third girl is looking for her brother and they decide, hey, I, I got to go this way. I got to look for my brother. So they end up in this underground area with a bunch of skeletons of monks and the third girl finds her brother. Then one girl loses it. She's like, I, I got to get out of here. They're all looking at me. They're all looking at me. And the other girl's like, what are you talking about? They're all dead. They can't look at you. And then they look up and they're all alive and they're all staring at her. That one was pretty creepy. The bully is about this this girl bullies this kid, this little boy, when they're younger. And she bullies him over and over again. And then they get older and they they fall in love with each other. And they have a kid. And the guy leaves. And for some reason... I don't know. She's taking some sort of aggression out on him. She continues to bully the kid. She believes that the husband left her. So she's just going to continue to bully the kid out of revenge. That was pretty eerie as well. Allie... Allie was just... It was kind of whatever There's this, this girl Disturbed girl who kills these kids And she kills all these people Um, And their Shadows Come to life at night It's like whatever Headless statue I don't have much to say about these last ones Whispering woman Sochi's beloved pet those aren't any of the great ones. So, for my money, I would say if if you're in I would say watch them all because they're so short. Even I was never mad even if I watched one I didn't like. And surprisingly, I if I had to pick a few of these, I would pick like four or five really strong ones out of however many episodes there are. But I liked the story of the mysterious tunnel, ice cream bus, um, tomb town, layers of terror, um, unendurable labyrinth, perhaps the bully. I really liked it. Um, Apparently, there's this has been done before, apparently, like years ago. I would have to subscribe to Crunchyroll or um, or uh, Funimation or all of them. I don't know. I saw some of the comments like the animation is t-, for for the older iterations. The animation is terrible. This you cannot compare this to the manga. You just can't. Um, the fashion episode looks terrible. da 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 da. Uh, I'm sure the manga is great. I think some people just prefer animation, or I don't know. I kind of want to check that out. I hope there's a season two to this. I really liked it. I I like that it. it's just get in, get out, and it's done. Short, good anthology horror. I think you should check it out. I binged it. I actually binged a bunch of episodes in one day, and then. I, um, I started, I continued it the second day and I stopped myself. I'm like, I I don't want this to end. So I binged the whole thing in like three days, but highly recommended. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you were all well. I hope your pets are alive, well, and thriving. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, Do your best to stay off social media and take care of your mental health. Uh, Thank you for listening and say hi to your pets for me.